Okay, usually I'm the one who takes a long time, but today we're trying something new out uh, because Matt took 50 minutes to set up OBS. So that th there my, we go. That wasn't my fault. Huh? That wasn't my fault. Well, you had a week to do it. Well, I... Well, you know what? I had I have other things to do, okay? And I have I have things to do, and you know, I I don't have all day to tinker around on the computer, unfortunately. When did you watch the movie? I watched <laughs> watched it last night. Did you finish it this morning? Yeah. <laughs> I watched because Luke made us watch this bullshit movie. What? <laughs> he made us watch. He got back at me. I picked Mario Bros. last week, even though it was pretty good, and he wasn't happy. So he went. He got back on me, and he picked this movie. And we'll talk about it, I guess. It's actually not that bad. I kind of enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it, too. I feel like this might be a long one, depending on how things go. Okay. So I kind of just want to skip over all the pleasantries and just kind of get into it. Okay. Uh, so we're talking about Star Trek, the motion picture. I'm going to pull up the Wikipedia page right here. Um, I just, I'm going to go over kind of the whole plot right now, just because I feel like we kind of just need to do that to get out of, to get it out of the way. Yeah. Okay. So basically this move, I don't, I forget if they say how long after uh, Kirk's original five your voyage it is was it 10 years after i hope so because he looks older i think it's something like 10 10 years or so so kirk is now was he an admiral in this movie is admiral and he works at starfleet command in san francisco whatever yeah so he's an admiral now and there's this cloud this that is traveling through space and is headed towards Earth. At the beginning of the movie, it consumes this Klingon or destroys these Klingon warships and it heads towards this um, space station and it consumes that as well. And Kirk now says, okay, I want to be in charge of the Enterprise once again. I want to be captain and I want to go out and, you know, figure out what this is and put a stop to this. Uh, so the captain of the Enterprise at that time was a guy named Decker. So Kirk comes and basically just replaces him and they're on a new enterprise. It's not the old one. It has a ton of new upgrades. It's basically like Decker says in the movie, it's a completely brand new ship and Kirk assembles the original crew. Uh, who is there? Chekhov, Zulu eh. and Spock eventually joins as well. And there's this new woman on board named Ilea. She's a new character as well. And geez, what ha what happens after that, Matt? Uh, uh after which uh, sorry, it's which what was the last part you just said? Ilea's on the ship as well. And they they leave off um at warp speed to go find this cloud. Yeah, so then basically they're they go to this cloud so they go to this cloud which is like some a few out like I think they said like fifty hours away from Earth. Mm -hmm. And you know, they don't want it to consume Earth. So they go to this cloud. Um and then they the first thing they're like, hey, we're Kirk says we're not gonna put up the defenses because they're gonna interpret that as a threat. And then they let them scan them. 
and then this big energy lightning thing comes on board, starts scanning shit, starts scanning the computer. Spock smashes the computer, and then and then it kills Aaliyah, Aaliyah, and then um and then they look. <laughs> And then they spend thirty minutes looking around as they slowly enter the cloud, mm-hmm. which is one of the best parts of this movie. Um, and then I don't know. And then Aaliyah comes back. Aaliyah comes back, and she's like a robot, uh, and she's like, "I'm Viger. I'm here on behalf of Viger. Viger's the alien sentient life thing." Mm-hmm. And do you want me to say the whole plot? Yeah, just we'll go through through the whole thing, so we can just kind of talk about whatever. And, and then basically, they're she's like, Vijay needs information. Give me information. They're like, okay. Uh, and then eventually they get close to Earth, and Vijay's like, I got these things in orbit. They're gonna destroy the surface of the Earth. Kirk's like, we're not gonna give you the information if you don't do it. If you if you do that, they say okay. Then they go to the heart of Vijay. They find out Vijay is a clever. Uh, little anachronism here because uh, it's actually Voyager 6 with some mm-hmm. of the letters scratched out from I don't know what year that launched 1960 something 70 something 77 mm-hmm. um, and then Decker who is in love with Aaliyah is like you know what I'm going to join with V'ger because V'ger needs to join with its creator which is humans mm-hmm. and then they go in a big beam of light. And, and that's a movie. And then Kirk says, you know what, let's go do some more adventures. <laughs> and then that's the end of the movie. It sound, I, I'm probably making it sound messier than it is, but it's just kind of like one thing happens after another in this movie. Uh, yeah. Which, which is kind of Star Trek-y, I guess. So I guess I don't mind too much, but anyway. Yeah, if the plot sounds familiar, it's because there was already a Star Trek episode that was basically this movie called The Changeling, uh, where there's an old, they kind of predicted one, they said it was launched in the year like 2000, and it was this probe called Nomad, and then this probe comes onto the starship and mistakes Kirk as its creator, it's also looking for the creator, and thinks Kirk is the creator. Like, how did they? How did they get away with, like, he even, like, spot, there's so much from that episode that is just, this is straight up it. Did you watch the episode? I did. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. Like, he even tries to do the mind meld with the machine, and then, like, and then he, like, I don't know, okay, we'll continue, anyway. Yeah, he does a mind meld with the machine, too. Spock does a mind meld on... Uh, Vidra as well to find out that Vidra is essentially like a child um, and the Nomad's looking for the creator. Vidra is also looking for the creator. They're both probes that have developed sen- like sentience and uh, but the endings I guess are different of both episodes. Yeah, I guess that's it. Also, there's a there's a Futurama episode that parodies this movie and i guess the star trek episode two i don't know if you ever saw but it was a one where like it it's the two probes that join together and then it just wants to censor everything no uh what's the episode called um okay one sec uh, star trek uh or not star trek futurama episode where 
the thing with sensors over there. Inagata Dalila. Oh, I know that episode. That's like the first episode of, I don't know, season four, five, six, or something? It's a season six, episode two. Okay. And then I, I can't remember what happens in that, except Zaf and Leela are in a garden of Eden, basically. Yeah. Uh... But yeah, basically the same thing where there's like two stations and they bind together and then it wants to like censor everything and it's just a like a probe that develops sentience. But anyways, uh, what did you think of the movie? Uh, the movie's okay. And you know what? I have to say this because there's going to be a disparity here in our understandings of Star Trek because Luke is a big Star Trek guy. I'm like, uh, I'm a small time Star Trek guy. Mm-hmm. I've seen the two of the the first two of the new movies, the cool Star Trek movies, and I've seen some original series episodes, probably like twelve total. Okay. And then I've seen a lot of, and I saw the Futurama Star Trek episode, so that's all I've seen <laughs> from Star Trek. But I mean, the thing that baffles me the most about this is that people say that in the criticism for this film is that this movie super boring i thought this movie would be way more boring than it is than it is mm. I, and i feel like the people who think this movie drags are people who like don't know what star trek's about because this is very star trek e yeah i don't and i just think it's i think it's interesting i think it's a it's basically like a to me it feels like a really long episode of star trek that, and, yeah, that's essentially what it is. It's a long episode of Star Trek that also works as a reunion of sorts, I guess, because it's been, I don't know how many years since these guys were together. They're like, I mean, so the series got canceled in 69, so that was 10 years before this. And then they had the animated show, and that was it. So then you get a lot of moments where it's like, ah, Spock is here. I can't believe it. And mm-hmm. if, you, if you don't really care too much for Star Trek, I guess it's not going to be as big of a deal, but... It's a good, I think it's a decent film. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought it was. I was really dreading this one because people had, like, this is, I think, considered one of the lesser Star Trek films. I think the rule of thumb that someone gave me is that every odd number Star Trek film is bad and every, <laughs> and every even number is good. So this is bad and three and five are bad, but then Rathacon and I guess Voyage Home are good. Yeah. I don't know. I I enjoyed this, and there's there's like some idiosyncrasies here and there, and there's some stuff. Obviously, there there is a lot of talk about this movie. What was your first impression about it? I I went into it basically thinking like this is probably just going to be a long episode of Star Trek. Yeah. Um, the, I think it drags in some parts, and we'll get into it, but not drags like as in. Uh, like story wise, but just in like cinema, like just how long shots last. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. And so you'll notice right off the bat, okay, this movie starts with, and I joke about this to Lucas, but this movie starts with like two minutes of a black screen before the logos even come up mm-hmm. with, with some orchestral scores, which is like whatever. Uh, and you know what? There's there's uh, some similarities to two thousand one that we'll have to touch on too, I guess. Yeah. But you get that, and then you, the first time you see the Enterprise, like twenty minutes into the movie, I swear to God, you spend five minutes just looking at it with it's Scott. It's so and long. It's so long. It didn't really like that to me. 
usually those kind of things bother me. It really didn't drag that much for me, maybe because I knew that they were coming. But you spend a lot of time looking at things to principally the Enterprise. And then later on, when they're in the space cloud, they're looking at the space cloud forever. Mm -hmm. They're just looking at it. And mm -hmm. I guess we're supposed to marvel at the special effects or whatever. But obviously, in, in 2020, which is like 41 years after this came out, it's not really that big of a deal. <laughs> it didn't look that particularly w swell. So, you know, we're not really enraptured by this display. Mm -hmm. But I think those moments are fine. I guess Ron, or I don't know, the director of this is Robert Wise. Yeah. Roddenberry was the producer. I don't mind it. I mean... I, as you said, this movie is two hours and twelve minutes. It didn't really need to be that long. No, could it? Like it would have been a nice hour forty. You could probably shave thirty minutes and get away with it. I think. Off this. Yeah, time. I agree. But overall, it's pretty entertaining. You get all the old characters back. They're doing what they usually do, which for some characters isn't a hell of a lot, actually. <laughs> um. And then you get a so I want to talk about characters. Sure. So 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 everybody's back. Well, the main are the main cast is back. So you know the big trio with Spock, Kirk, and Bones, and Uhura's back, and uh, the Russian guy's back. And Chekhov. Chekhov's back, and Sulu's back, and the nurse Scotty. is back. Scotty's back. The no, nurse is back. The nurse isn't back. They say uh, Nurse Chapel has become a doctor and she's elsewhere. Oh, so Nurse Chapel. So that wasn't Nurse Chapel. No, I don't think so. Okay, so that so Nurse is not back. She got she got promoted. <laughs> she's too she's too busy to slum it up back at the Enterprise. She's uh she's Roddenberry's wife. Oh really? Yeah, and she's the voice of like the computer in the show as well too. Which computer? Oh, like, like whenever. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah okay. whenever they're like a computer, do whatever, and then she speaks. That's that's the voice of uh, Christine Chapel. Oh, I didn't know that. All right, mm -hmm. so let's talk about Kirk because I mean he's basically the protagonist in this movie. What you get here is is you get like a pseudo arc, and you've seen it in a lot of movies of like the old man. He's not like old, old. He's like fifty years old in this, but he looks old. Mm -hmm. He comes back to the ship and he and he's I don't know he's maybe he's dissatisfied with his clerical stuff or his bureaucratic stuff but he's he'll be damned captain of the enterprise goes on the ship tells this guy to like fuck off basically mm -hmm. uh, this young guy named Captain Deckard who seems to be an upstanding gentleman and it's basically about Kirk uh, going on it like a sort of one last ride, but it's obviously not because there's a ton of more movies after. Mm -hmm. um, his arc is weird. And I, and I was talking about this with Lucas earlier, which is, is Kirk. And I, and I, like I said, I haven't seen too much original series. The big thing I remember from Kirk from the original series, is he stands around posturing all the time. Um, and in this one, he's kind of a dick. Yeah. He, he, he's like, He's very uh, insistent and commanding and, and kind of arrogant. He's telling people, do this shit now. Mm -hmm. Now. He's like, Scotty, you get those ready now. We don't have time. I don't know if he was like that before. He, apparently, he wasn't. No, he, he wasn't really like that. I mean, he, like, if they needed to be somewhere, he'd be like, okay, well, we need to do it now. So, like, you know, let's, let's get it done. It, like, you know, the cliche of, like, I how long can you do it? I can do it in two hours. Okay, make it 
an hour and a half or something. Yeah. He would do stuff like that, but like he was not arrogant where in this movie they make him arrogant and my problem with that is like they don't follow through with it they just kind of drop it off yeah um yeah there's no like the thing you hear is that his arc is like i really want to captain the enterprise again and i really want to prove my worth i guess and then i guess he does and that's it there's not a lot of there's not a lot of development character wise which is another reason why this feels like just another Star Trek episode is because it doesn't really it it just really feels like they're back in the hot seat and doing another space adventure you know yeah and I really like the idea of Kirk coming back and being jealous and you know wanting to really relive his glory days but I, I can't think of the exact time in the movie where it happened but they just, there's a part where they just kind of abandoned that yeah, and, and they get wrapped up in this V'ger mystery, and then it kind of abandons that plotline and idea completely. And from what I've read, there were a lot of rewrites during the filming that very much favored Shatner. I can imagine. And he, if you know anything about, you know, Mr. Bill, he's kind of a princess. <laughs> You, well, you can tell that just by the way he acts, and especially the original series. He's just standing around going, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Ah, I'm Kirk. I'm, look at me. Ah. Yeah. You know, like, this guy, this guy really thinks he's got, uh, this guy thinks he's a big guy on the Enterprise, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But as you're saying, he's, he's a bit of a princess, and there was rewrites done because of him. Yeah, he kind of wanted stuff to favor him, and I'm guessing that's why they kind of dropped this whole arrogant arc. I see. That makes sense. Yeah, but like in the movie, it just it, it just seems weird that <laughs> I don't know. They just there's not, and it's kind of the same thing with the Incredibles, where Mister Incredible is just an arrogant dude the whole movie, and then the movie just ends, and it just kind of rewards him, like. You are being a dick, and you know that's okay though because you won and go do more stuff. Yeah, it's literally the same. Actually, it's very similar to Mister Incredible. Mm -hmm. William, uh, Captain Kirk is the Mister Incredible of the Star Trek franchise, <laughs> undoubtedly, and and it's like and it's fine, I suppose, but it's it's kind of dissatisfying character-wise, and 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 really character-wise is where I was disappointed with this movie. Okay, is there anything else? Yeah, so, you know, you get Spock and Bones, and they're just being Spock and Bones. And, you know, Spock is, like, grappling with his human stuff, but he does that every damn episode. Mm, um, I'm going to contest you there, but just keep going. Well, like, he... Okay, well, we'll uh, Bones is here. He's looking old. Let me tell you, he's looking old as hell, and he looks like he just got out of chemo. Dude, this dude is so slender and like he looks like he was stuck in an, in a mine shaft for a few years. <laughs> He's back and like him, Ahura, Chekhov. I mean, okay, Spock, Kirk, and Bones—they get the most time, so they get a little bit more focus. They're they're mm -hmm. the big three of this franchise, I suppose. But then you get like Chekhov, Ahura, uh, Sulu, and and others, and you know they're just there to be to just say things. Mm -hmm. like none of them are pivotal it's just like Sulu, war factor 10 or 
you know, Ahura, go send this message out. All right. <laughs> and then what? And then that's it. Like, you know, and it's weird that they bring in two new characters to, to shine a big focus on instead of just highlighting any of the existing cast and giving them a plot line or something like that. Right. And I don't mind the two new characters. You get, you get Decker, who uh, I liked his arc, which is like, you know, he's a gung-ho young guy, ready to captain ship. He gets booted out. And now he's he's a little bit of a hothead, and he's rivaling Kirk for the captain's chair, right? Mm-hmm. Then, but he also loves this alien chick named Aaliyah, who's like sort of Spockish in in her like emotional reservation. I, I forget what the deal is with her species, but I remember like it has something to do with sex or whatever. Because the first thing that she says to Kirk is that her record of celibacy is something. That was so funny because, like, that was so irrelevant to the situation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was like, all right, you're ready to pilot the ship? And she's like, yeah, you know about my record of celibacy. It's like, okay, well, we're not having sex. So <laughs> that's not really important right now. Just pilot the ship, please, or do whatever you have to do. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's kind of funny. She's fine. I mean, she, she doesn't get a lot of character focus. She gets a couple scenes with Decker, and then she gets essentially killed and then brought back as, like, this robot. Mm-hmm. And then the actress Persis Kambada, she does. I think she does a really good job as like a robot. Uh, yeah, she's pretty good. And and Decker is still is kind of myth because she basically died, and he still kind of has feelings for the robot because they had a romantic history or whatever. Well, like Ilya's personality is like still kind of in there. Yeah, like she still has the memory. She sees Decker, and she says Will or whatever. As, mm-hmm. like she can recognize him um of course that this those two characters are sort of uh their relationship is important in the climax especially you noted that you're not a fan of this romantic subplot oh when you when you texted me earlier yeah um, it's kind of in the same vein as like as as what you were saying like why did they like obviously they need to they need to have these two characters and the romantic subplot for their big finale of the movie which is like they join together as man and like machine basically yeah but it's just like they take up so much screen time with it well that's what i'm saying it's like why wouldn't you just like straight up give this plot to Ahura or whatever, but, like, give the other characters who have been there something to do. I don't know if they just don't have faith in them. I don't know if it's just because fans would be pissed if they had any development. Maybe. I, I really don't know, and it's and it's strange to me that, like, the new characters are done fine. I actually like Decker. I like the performance by the guy. Uh, he brings a new life, so it's not just a Star Trek reunion episode, basically. <laughs> yeah. But it, it is strange that they would just give that they would just give that like important roles to new characters, but I, I find that's a uh, commonplace in franchise films. I suppose they want to have more characters that you can attach to rather than, you know, have you attached to a Hura and then she gets old and then you can't use her anymore. I guess it's kind of like in uh, uh, The Last Jedi when they just made that purple haired chick have this huge arc. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And I mean, like, people were like, oh, they should have given, like, her sacrifice to Akbar or whatever. And I'm like, okay, Akbar's kind of a meme. But, you know, 
Ahura and and Chekhov and Sulu, they're not memes, they're characters that you can make like fully fleshed out characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it was strange. That, uh, that's why on the character front I was disappointed because basically the the Kirk Spock Decker show, and then that's about it. And and Elia is there, and also Bones, and then like everybody else is just doing. They're just being cogs in the machine. Okay, so the thing that I said, and I agree with, I agree mostly with what you said. Uh, the one thing that I disagree with though is I really enjoyed how they handled Spock in this movie. Okay. Um, because in a lot of Star Trek episodes with Spock, they would kind of. They would kind of like they said, oh, he. Okay, well, I, I should say this first of all. There's a common misconception that Vulcans don't have emotions. And what it is is that they have them, but they work hard to suppress them. Okay. Um, and in the show, they would be like, oh, Spock is emotionless, blah, blah, blah. But he would always be, at the end, he would like s- say some little quip to show that he has a human side or sometimes. Like the show, the moral of the story would be like the human side is the better side. Yeah, well, like from what I've seen, every episode it's like Spock is like, hmm, I'm I'm logical, but then he'll he'll think like a triple is cute, and we go, oh, go, ooh, Spock needs to get that under control, and that's mm-hmm. like his, that's like his big that's like his thing, right? Throughout the franchise, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's him grappling with his human and his Vulcan side in a way to like battle his own urges of emotion mm-hmm. but no go ahead continue um so this movie the first time that we see him is on the planet vulcan and he's undergoing the ceremony called colinar i think yeah and basically what it is is this ritual where you just rid yourself of all emotion yeah and i love this there's this one shot where this shows planet vulcan and it looks so cool there's just like a volcanoes and you know mountains and three moons in the background and stuff it looks crazy it, yeah and you know what i it was a night that's a nice set and i was like i was looking at this and i was thinking um what is the civilization here <laughs> and i mean and like i said i'm not too big on star trek but i i saw vulcan also in 09 and it was also just rocks where are they living i don't know they're just when they're doing the ceremony, it's three. It's like the chiefess and then her two companions and Spock, and they're just in the middle of nowhere. And where did you guys come from? How'd you guys get there? I, I just don't know. I don't know. There were, I can't think of many episodes of like the series where they were on Vulcan. The only one I can think of is this one episode where um, it's like it shows their courting rituals, which is there's this one girl and then the guy and. In, so it was Spock, and he had to fight Kirk to the death for the for this woman, mm-hmm. which they also parodied in Futurama with uh, Kif when he had to fight someone for something. Right. Yeah. I th- uh, wasn't that? You know, continue. Um. Yeah. Did he fight Fry or who was it? Uh, do you mean when Zoidberg fought Fry in the tournament? No, but that's also similar, I guess. Yeah, when like Zoidberg's going crazy, lifting like two thousand pounds at the gym. Yeah, because he's horny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Anyways, so we don't see much of Vulcan in the show, really. And when we do, it's pretty much the same thing, like where they're just living in rocks, I guess. 
Yeah, they're just living in a volcano land, which I'm not really sure how that works, but okay. Uh, and then anyways, well, uh, Spock stops a ceremony because he hears or he senses like his presence is needed elsewhere. And then he goes to the Enterprise and joins them. But he was so deep into the ceremony that like when he comes on board, everyone's so happy to see him. And he's just kind of looking around. He's like disassociated. Yeah, and he's just like, okay, well, I'm just here to take the role of science officer. And everyone's like, oh, Spock, it's so great to see you. And he just looks around. He's like, okay. And and Bones is like, I knew that. <laughs> Look at that guy, warm and cuddly as usual. <laughs> I hate Vulcans. Um, I hate and then the damn Vulcans. <laughs> there's another scene where Kirk is in his quarters. And I, I wondered when he said, like, I'm going to my quarters, if that was Decker's room. And then he just took it. <laughs> probably uh, so he goes to his quarters with McCoy and Spock and they're talking and then Spock is just like standing there and then like Kirk basically like begs him to sit down yes that, that was I actually like that scene quite a bit uh, they're trying to converse as old times were you know the big trio talking over their mission and, yeah. and Spock I guess is distracted or he's he's still feeling the effects of his failure and colinar and and he refuses to sit but kirk keeps urging him until he like screams like please sit down and then he does yeah so he's like in in this movie he's pretty much like kind of the iconic version of spock i guess where you think of just like pure intellect and no emotion mm -hmm. and i like that um i really like how they handled him in this m movie and Along with what you said about the characters, it's pretty much how I felt about about the main cast. I thought it was pretty. I I thought it was a uh, clever. I think his arc is pretty decent, which is almost to say that he almost not quite gives up, but he it's it feels like the logical conclusion to his story that he says, "Yeah, I'm science officer of the Enterprise, and that's who I am." Yeah, and that's similar to Kirk too. The the problem is that Kirk. Uh, like he didn't develop at all. He just like I need the enterprise, and then he gets it, mm -hmm. and that's all there is. As for Bones, I feel like he's just he's just kind of there to be grumpy, like usual. One of my biggest gripes with this movie, and like one thing that I'll I'll just flat out, I, I think it's really bad are the costumes. And you know what? I was gonna comment on that. The thing with this is that you know this iconic Star Trek costumes, which is I don't know, like black pants, and then there's colored shirts, right? Yeah. So red, green, and blue. Those are those are really nice, and um, they look good. And for some reason, in this, they decide to just have these like beige, like these these beige costumes that everyone has, and or so they're either beige, white, or I think just those two. And like muted blue. And it's such a weird choice to just drain this movie of color. Even like the bridge of the Enterprise is decidedly less colorful than in the television show. Yeah. It's it's weird. I don't know if that was to, to give it a darker tone to make it more cinematic, but it was an odd choice. I don't know if the, the costume designs themselves were poor, but to me, the lack of color really stood out. Uh, especially, you know, Star Trek is colorful costumes, those colorful buttons beeping and booping. Mm -hmm. and all that stuff you know so it was i i did not really appreciate that change i feel like i was waiting halfway through for them to have to change into their regular costumes like halfway through the mario brothers movie or whatever you know mm -hmm. that moment but yeah no i agree 
Yeah, so the the guy who designed the costumes, he thought that the colorful costumes wouldn't translate well on film. Interesting. Um, and but one thing he did do, which I, which I liked, is that in the original series, skirts for some reason, uh, and in this movie, there were unisex costumes. Yes, I like that. But the thing that was great about the original red, blue, and green was that you could look at a character and immediately know what their job was. Yeah. Or their rank. Like, for example, you know, Sp uh, Spock and Kirk had the gold trimmings around their, the cuffs of their sleeves or whatever. Uh, in this movie, like, I like Kirk is basically wearing the same thing as Uhura is wearing. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't like I didn't like that. And in some scenes, like characters were just because characters also had two sets of uniforms and they were kind of swapping between the two sets, like scene to scene. Yeah. And that was odd. That was a bit jarring. Like there's one scene where like the engineering staff have this weird spacesuit thing when they're working on the warp drive. And like one seems Scott, he's just wearing his normal clothes, and in the next one, he's in his like weird spacesuit. So like, did he just run and change quickly? <laughs> I suppose. I mean, I get that. Um, like they probably felt that they, and then the other thing is that the reason for those changes, they probably felt they couldn't just put like Kirk in a shirt for the whole movie. I guess typically in films, you know, the characters will have multiple costume designs, but as uniformed men on a ship, the members of Starfleet don't typically have that, but it. I guess it was like out of necessity that they felt they needed a little bit of change in the wardrobe. That's what I think anyway. I guess. But then like the weird thing is like Kirk's shirt that he's normally wearing is like this dentist V-neck. Oh yeah. Uh, with <laughs> his big sausage arms hanging out. Don't say that. <laughs> Watch it. Put respect on his name. He's, he's Admiral Captain Kirk. Sorry. No, but uh, you're right. The costumes are strange. And I, and if we're talking about some of the set stuff, I guess we should talk about the special effects, which feature very prominently in the series. Yeah. Um, not only in the series, but specifically this. A, supposedly, a big criticism lobbied against this film around time of release was people didn't like that this was special effects focused. Mm -hmm. uh, you get to pretty... I mean, okay, there's apparently a 2001 cut of this movie that's, like, DVD remastered. I honestly do not know which one I watched. Me neither. Um, the one I watched, though, it kind of looked like it was a little bit remastered. The effects are... are they Do they hold up well? Jury's out. Because they don't really have, like, the classic campy feel of the 60s Star Trek that's so easy to take in stride. Mm -hmm. Like when you just like as people joke about it as much, but like when Spock just has a dog with a unicorn head, <laughs> like that just works for me. And I think just because you just kind of take, you know, that this is a '60s science fiction show when that wasn't really a thing, so you know they're quite literally uncharting new territory here. But now that they have this big budget, you get a lot of like this 2001 effect where you're like where you're like flying through. They give you the viewpoint of the viewer on the ship which is you know like the the, the tv sorry and you're cutting out am i can you hear me yeah i can hear you now it cut out when you're like uh, talking about the viewer 
so you get these 2001 era uh like 2001-esque like panoramic views of like the stars and like nebulas it, all within this little space cloud or not a little large space cloud viger mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of aesthetic influence from 2001 that we both noted like the space the thruster suits look like the 2001 suits yeah the movie start not that 2001 owns this but the movie starts on a black screen with or, or like orchestral music playing um the scene where like Spock is mind melding with V'ger, it has that same effect. Like it, 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 it's a shot of Spock's face in the suit, and all these bright lights are flashing on his face. Yeah, and like when when in when Bowman in two thousand one is pulled into like that 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 tunnel of light, and he's traveling through space, you get a lot of that in the, yeah when they're going through the cloud, like to the point where I was like, wow, this is uh. They really watched. They really liked two thousand one, huh? Yeah, I'll I'll say it's strongly influenced. And I mean, I I mean, I don't. I will knock that influence because I'm sure Gene Roddenberry saw the film and thought it was the coolest thing in the whole world. Yeah. And I'm and and obviously, as the show ended, I think like a year after the movie came out, they probably didn't have the time to get that much influence out of. It is. It is very two thousand one. Not in this. Not in the sense that. that makes it wholly its own, but not quite in the sense that it's a ripoff. It's just something that feels like a relic of that era of science fiction films where everybody has to kind of do 2001, you know? Mm-hmm. So I actually don't mind that. It also made me think of 2001, which is a great movie. Uh, but it was interesting to see how heavily it was influenced aesthetically by that film. I mean, even the ending thematically is very similar to the ending of 2001. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and I mean, both films ponder like existentialism and artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and, and human evolution and such like that. And you're right. It's when they, when uh, Decker and Ilya Robot or Ilya Robot are melding together, like it's almost reminiscent of the Star Child in 2001 towards the end of the film. It's like the mm-hmm. same color. But it very much reminded me of that. And Kirk even says, we just witnessed the birth of a new type of being. Yeah. So, yeah, it was... Uh, I, I, I appreciated those I appreciated those nods to it. It's like it's almost like Star Trek doing 2001. But it doesn't feel yeah. like a ripoff. Going back to the effects, though, I want to say, like, when there are tons and tons of minutes of just shots of them like going deeper and deeper into V'ger. And I actually really, really like the effects that they use to bring V'ger to life. Are you talking, oh, like the big cloud? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder how they did that. Like when they go, like they go deeper and then like the insides of V'ger just become more and more complex. It, it's pretty, like, I don't know, it's pretty cool. And I've always thought that, like, the more and more that I watch Star Trek, there are kind of, like, horror elements to it. Yeah. And this movie also kind of has that, like, where they're trapped in V'ger and then they can't, any signals that they try to send out just bounce back and come back to them. Well, yeah, and a big, I mean, a big element of Star Trek is that a lot of the time technology fails them and they have to use their own wit. To get by, right? They're yeah. 
supposed to be a triumph of the human element that we can mm-hmm. that we can overcome without our futuristic technology and such. Mm-hmm. And they do that, and they do that here. And and you're right, like it is, it it's like horror element. It's like space horror, I guess. And like, they have like, ho- sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say they have like Vidra kind of has like its own theme, kind of, which is like these really pulsing bass notes too. Yes. Which adds to, like, that creepiness of it. Yeah. And then when it, like, scans a ship, like, it, like, melts, or, like, it severely burns, like, Scotty's hand, and it has, like, this intense sound effect. Like, when it scans a ship, it's basically like this beam of lightning, and I have no idea how they pulled off this effect, really, that just, like, goes around the ship and then it like pulverizes Ilea and then it's like taking all the information from their computer before like Spock smashes it with his bare hands. Yeah, that was that that was a classic that was a classic Spock move when all else fails just start punching, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what Spock's all about. <laughs> no, but it was uh it it is it, it, the special effects like some of that, like those special effects, were cool. There's a lot of lightning special effects in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna see a lot of lightning that like captures the ship, certain ships, and then disintegrates them and such. And I mean, I think we should talk about the elephant in the room, which is Star Trek is the first movie I think that had the giant space cloud as the villain. Yeah, pretty as much. We, I mean, as, they did it in the show too. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Like they've well, they done that in the sh- show where it's like a giant like cloud or a giant cell or anything like that really. Like we see the giant space cloud in so many films. Yeah. So many films. That's basically what Galactus was in uh Yeah, it was Galactus. Uh that shitty Green Lantern movie. There basically was, like, what uh, the dude in Doctor Strange was. The yeah, Doctor Strange Dormammu was just a giant cloud. I guess giant clouds are ominous and they can take a different a lot of shapes. They're actually not that scary, uh, so we should probably stop using them. But uh, Vidra's done well as I guess you could consider Vidra a character. Yeah, because Vidra is essentially what happened here is that some aliens on a live on a okay on a machine planet on a planet populated only by living machines. They find Voyager 6, and they interpret its primitive message, which is collect all information and return to creator as gospel. Mm-hmm. So they begin, they upgrade it, and they meld with it, and they begin their journey to get as much information as, information as possible as they journey back to the creators, which we find out is humans on Earth, of which V'ger is of disbelief that no way humans could create Vager. Mm-hmm. And 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 Bones remarks, and there's a great scene in the infirmary after Spock returns from his attempted mind meld. Um first of all, Spock is drifting in out of consci- consciousness and Kirk is trying to shake him awake to so he can understand what he's saying. And Bones basically says and and Spock well Spock says and Bones basically interprets that. V'ger is a bit confused about its own existence because what is there to do after you get the information and then give it to creator? Mm-hmm. And that's why they decide, or that's why V'ger and them and Decker decide later on that 
it needs a human element, which is to overcome logic, as Kirk says. And actually, that's one of my favorite parts of Star Trek is whenever like the, the adventure is wrapped and Kirk does a little bit of philosophizing and he says, hmm, it appears that the one thing that the machine needed was heart. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I yeah. was like that. Um, so, and then that's what they're commenting on here, which is like some ex- existential aspects. I guess like apparently Isaac Asimov is a consultant on this film. You can kind of think of that in the realm of his laws of robotics and such like that. But Who's I actually he? did. Isaac Asimov, he wrote like the Foundation series. He he did like the he he was the one who created like the three laws of robotics. Like number one rule, you can't hurt a human. Number two rule, you can't. Uh, what is it like? I don't remember the rules, but okay. If you're familiar with it, if you look up the Foundation series, which is a pretty good series, he's won a lot of Hugo awards. And I guess apparently, I think he knew Arthur C. Clarke who was basically the mastermind with Kubrick behind 2001. So it makes sense that there's a little bit of influence in that way. Okay. But um, I actually, I did appreciate V'ger. I mean, it's not quite, I'm guessing it's not quite as revolution as it, as it was then. Like, I feel like we've seen a lot of this character in science fiction since then. In what but, way, sorry? Like, I think we've seen a lot of the, uh, a lot of the artificial intelligence questioning its own purpose and like its eventual goal of like uh transcending its existence or whatever achieving a high consciousness you see that in 2001 you see that in a lot of other films and television shows too yeah but it's still it still works pretty well for me in this film uh it still feels novel enough and i and i will say that viger as a concept like and as a sort of character as portrayed by Ilya's Ilya's actress uh was like pretty enjoyable for the crew to interact with especially Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i just want to i guess i didn't i wasn't too i didn't talk about this too much just kind of in passing but there are quite a few and i just want to name them now there are quite a few scenes in this movie that just drag as in the shots last way too long yeah like at the beginning of the movie when Kirk and Scotty go up in their little pod to see the new Enterprise, they fly around the whole ship. <laughs> and I like I remember I was watching it and I was like, oh, it's still going. Oh, and I, and, it's and still I, going. I won't excuse it, but I, I'll say that it, I'm, it's almost certainly uh, the crew going, well, we're doing Star Trek with the most money we've ever had. So we got to show the Enterprise in all its glory. We got to show all these cool special effects. Although you're right, it does drag a little bit long. It drags to the point, it's, it's not like, I don't think it's like unbearably long, but it's, it's it reminds me of Mommy Dearest when the shots hold too long and you're like, all right, you know, and then let's finish it up. Let's uh, wrap it up here a little bit. Yeah, totally. And I've never been one to like, I don't know, like, you know, in Star Wars trailers from the new Star Wars movies, like they always show the Millennium Falcon in it. Mm-hmm. I've never been one to like if oh my god it's a Millennium Falcon wow like I don't just see things and then like oh that thing is related to a thing I like so I'm happy like seeing the USS Enterprise for seven minutes doesn't make me happy I don't like 
that's a ship. Yep, let's get on it and let's get going. It's essentially fan service that doesn't hold up well. Yeah. Um, because because it would you would have been a fan, you know, when the show got canceled 10 years ago and it's like, oh, the Enterprise is back and the crew is back and let's look at the Enterprise. But obviously now we don't care because you see the Enterprise in like every second of the day. <laughs> you see it in all all Star Trek media. Like, you know, you can't, if you've seen the Enterprise too much. Yeah, it, it's not, it, it's not crazy to me. And although I did like seeing V'ger, a lot of the, like there's, I, I wouldn't be shocked if there was at least 15 minutes of footage of just the ship flying through it. I'm sure they left. I, I would love to see a full cut of this film, like with all the, with all the stuff they left on the cutting room floor of mm-hmm. just them looking at V'ger for 45 minutes. <laughs> um, that would be delightful. Uh, supposedly, this cut of the, the theatrical cut of the film was, a, was only finished like a few days before the film premiered. So it was a bit of a rush production, I heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is interesting to know. Supposedly, Robert Wise, I think, said that the theatrical version we got was really like a rough cut of the version that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I suppose that I'm guessing that's something that he might have cleaned up uh, if he had been given more time. But this is the film we got. Yeah, that that would be interesting to see what uh, what could have been. Um, also, what I liked in this movie is it's the first time that we got to see what is kind of like the modern Klingon. Yeah, like um, next generation. He they look is Worf a Klingon? Worf is a Klingon. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I looked when I saw them on screen. I was like, hey, those guys look like just like Worf. Yeah, because in the original series, what it was was either dudes with brown face paint or black guys. And yeah. they would they they were just humans, and they did some facial hair makeup and some eyebrow makeup on them, and that was kind of it. Yeah. Whereas, like, kind of the modern Klingon has a whole head piece thing going on. The ugly teeth. They're big. They got huge poofy hair and stuff. How do they do, how do they justify that change from guys who look kind of weird to aliens? I don't really. I'm a little confused. Do you remember what was that episode we saw where they just were just the guys who were meant to be Klingons were just ethnic. Uh, that was a Tribble episode. The Tribble episode. And they were barely... There's one of these guys is just a white guy. <laughs> just a white guy. They didn't do anything to him. They gave him a beard. And then you have to look at Worf and he's got like... His brain is coming out of his face. And I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of funny as a, as a Star Trek layman. They did that with like Vulcan... Or not Vulcans, Romulans too where they were pretty much indistinguishable from Vulcans and they are they come from the same like heritage but like later on they kind of beefed them up as well well like Nero's a Romulan in 09 right he looks like he looks kind of weird but he looks kind of normal yeah he's a Romulan in 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 09 yeah and he has like the whole face taps going on and everything yeah classic Romulans <laughs> uh but uh but yeah, I did. I going back to the special effects. I didn't mind. I I I honestly liked most of them. No, I did. I mean, there's some like there's stuff that doesn't age well. To be quite frank, I think some of the up close and personal effects and the stuff that isn't meant to be marveled at, as the crew does in the film, doesn't hold up well. Especially because I don't know. I don't want to say we live in the era of special effects, but in the forty years since that film came out, special effects have. Um, progressed 
at an incredible rate. So that stuff doesn't quite cut anymore. But mm-hmm. I'll agree that uh, given that this was a 1979 film, there are some decent effects like the lightning bolt in the ship. I'll say that the transporters still look, they're kind of cheesy, but they still look cool. There's like that horror moment with it. That Okay, yeah, we, I forgot. We have to mention that. So early in the film, there's they actually have a different science officer. It's just some random other Vulcan guy. I think his name is Sonak. Mm-hmm. And they beam him. They're beaming him and somebody else on board. Um, and <laughs> you get like this David Cronenberg scene where they're, the transporter is failing and they're coming back. Like you don't see that. They don't fully materialize. But you can see them as like half, like they're like uh, they're so grotesquely disfigured. Mm-hmm. And then they, then the transmission stops. They call Starfleet, and they're like, "What? Uh, what happened?" They're like, "Whatever was left of them didn't live very long." And yeah. they, that's very horrific imagery to paint. And it was that was such a jar. That was actually kind of a jarring moment for me because like, did we really need to have these two? crew members die horrifically on the onset of the movie just so we can make room for Spock and and Decker. Like, it was kind of odd to me. It was a cool moment. Um, and I don't really know whose fault that was. Kirk said it was nobody's fault. I think yeah. the film I think the film was supposed to blame it on him as, as like, part of his... Uh, like, we're supposed to blame it on him as part of his inexperience with the newly refitted Enterprise. I guess. But it's 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 uh hmm. it's something it's something. Yeah, and I like that. I like that moment when like it was when Kirk is just like fully like self selfish in the beginning of the movie, where he comes on and he's like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna need a new science officer, and I want to make sure it's like a Vulcan." Like he obviously just wants to relive his glory days. Yeah, like this guy can't live. This guy can't go on one mission without a Spock stand-in. Yeah. All right. Let me tell you that Kirk slash Spock fan fiction. <laughs> it ain't. It ain't no joke. Okay. <laughs> it ain't no joke. There's a Wikipedia article for it for a reason. Is there actually? There is a Wikipedia article on the Kirk Spock pairing. If you go on the Wikipedia article, the image that is there is the scene from the motion picture where Spock is in bed and Kirk is holding his hand. What do I have to look up? It's Kirk slash Spock. On fanfiction.net? No, on Wikipedia. Oh my god. <laughs> and Star Trek fans will continue to cope. They'll say that the, <laughs> there's no underlying tension between these two. Uh, come, uh, come on now, son. All right, come on now. <laughs> Anyway, you, you get some decent. That was probably actually like that. It was quite touching that scene. That's one of the. I mean, I also feel like another Star Trek staples. You got to have that scene that shows how good friends Kirk and Spock are. Maybe a little mm-hmm. bit too good, but they have a good scene here where um, Spock holds his hand and he says, "What we feel here is not something Viger is capable of. That spark of friendship or whatever." Mm-hmm. And you get some good moments like that throughout the film. Some very classic Star Trek moments. Sprinkled you, in with admitted, admittedly somewhat slow pacing. What were you going to say? I was going to say, do you think that this movie is kind of like, not completely, but kind of like Spider-Man 3 or a Watchmen where 
people like just like hate hate it and like if you bring it up to like anyone they just have something negative to say where it's just like it's just an okay movie i really do not understand like i really do not understand why i don't know if it's okay so the movie has for reference it has about a 40 on ron tomatoes i'm not sure if that's like backlash from star trek fans or if it's like just the uh, the the everyday everyman critic that don't like this film it's really like to me like it's very star trek so as a star trek fan i don't see why you wouldn't like that unless i'm i'm missing something about star trek some hidden element that eludes me mm-hmm. but it's like it seemed fine to me i don't understand why people say this film is so horrid i suppose if you really are someone who can get easily bored then yeah you might get bored in this film but you're just watching like a double, you're watching like a double or like a triple three-part Star Trek episode stitched together, basically. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I know what rating I'm going to give it. And the way I've been talking about this movie isn't going to really justify it. So okay. I just, I have to say a couple of things. So one thing, like, I really didn't like that they just dropped off Kirk's kind of arc. I, I thought that was just so so dumb and i think and a lot of like i think there's just so much fat in this movie like there's just too so many shots last too long and it's very evident that this was not like it makes a lot of sense when i found out that this was not like the preferred cut and when this movie was finished days before the premiere Mm -hmm. so i mean i don't know go ahead um, I just have like a couple of notes. Like, I don't know, the something parts of writing is kind of lousy. Like, there's a scene where they're trying to get Ilya's personality back, so they just put this bandana over her head, and she's like, "Oh, I'm Ilya," and blah blah blah. I don't right. I don't know. That was just that was just kind of. I don't know. It just seemed kind of lousy to me. Um, it was kind of a waste of time, especially because we don't really know Ilya as a character. I don't even think we see her with that headband ever. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 weird to focus on that as a character trait, as evidence to show that this is sort of the real Ilya. The best, like the best demonstration of that was when she said when she held Deckard and said "Will," and that really was sufficient. But they had to double down on it, and it doesn't really work. Yeah, I don't know. I just like I found a lot of things to not be fully fleshed out. Right. No, I I'll, I'll I, say that. I I can agree with that. I think it's I think it's a film that um I think with a nice I think the I don't know if there's director's cut for this, but I'd like to see the director's cut if there is. Because... I don't know. Uh let's look this up. I, I think it's a 2001 cut. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, but yet, I think that's all I have to say on the movie, really. I like the ending a lot. Like, I thought, like, in terms of, like, I don't know, it just looked really cool, and I just like this whole... I, I mean, the thing that sucks is that they set up this new species that they created, and then they don't really uh, visit that ever again. 
with Aaliyah's race? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. That I know of. I haven't seen the other... Like, I've seen Wrath of Khan quite a few times. I haven't seen the other Star Trek movies in quite some time, so I don't remember. And I, they obviously didn't do it in the show. And I'm watching Next Generation right now, and they haven't done anything with that. So it was just kind of weird that they kind of just dropped that off. Um, but yeah, I like I like the ending. I like this whole, you know, the, it, it ends with, like, the tagline, uh, the human adventure has just begun. Yeah, that was a nice little, uh, a nice little touch they added with that final screen there. Yeah, I like that stuff. It was, I don't know, that was like you know the Star Trek philosophy of, you know, what it means to be human, the importance of being human, yada yada yada. Blah blah blah, the human spirit. Blah blah blah. <laughs> you know how it be. Mm-hmm. Well, how many bags are you giving this? I am going to give this movie uh, a whopping 5 out of 10. You're going to give this 5 bags out of 10. Yeah, because I was watching, after I finished watching it, I was like, would I want to watch this again? And my answer was, yeah, maybe. (laughs) But it's just, it is really, I find it really long for something that, I mean, I wrote down the plot here in a point form. And I wrote down, and I'll just read it off. Uh, Klingon ship is attacked. Vulcan ritual. Kirk boards Enterprise. Go to warp speed. Enter wormhole. We didn't even talk about the wormhole scene. Um, the, 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 oh, yeah. The <laughs> the trippy worm, wormhole scene. That was a good scene. I forgot. That was a great showcase of special effects, actually. Yeah, I like that, too. Um, shooting an asteroid gets him out of a wormhole. Uh, Spock boards and fixes warp drive. Enter Vidra. Vidra takes Ilea and makes her into a droid who will monitor the ship. Uh, Vidra seeks a creator. Spock enters Vidra and finds out it is a living machine. And then they finally meld Ilea and Decker together. Does that need to be over two hours long? Uh, probably not. So, I mean, I, I think it could just be a bit more focused. I just found it kind of to be unfocused. But there was a lot of, like, there were a lot of things that I really liked. Like, there's a lot of good shots in this movie. No, there is some good stuff. I honestly would probably watch it again. Um, not, like, relatively soon, but I would. Sh- this is definitely something, if I ever get around to finishing the original series, I'll come back and watch this. Mm-hmm. Honestly, this movie um, was a pleasant surprise for me. I'll give it three bags. I'll give it three bags out of five. It's decent. That's yeah. about, that's about the, the crux of the whole thing. It's decent. It's decent. It's not. You're cutting out. Bad. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. Hello. Yeah, I can hear you. Is it working? It's working now. Hey, it's me, Matt. <laughs> I'm. Hey, I'm on the show. Hey, you I still there? Want... Yeah, I'm here. Are you there? Yeah. Right. Um, I just wanted. I don't know if you, you can I'd talk about it because you haven't seen a lot, but like the original series is just so weird. And it's like, it's almost like they, they always dive into philosophy and to, I don't know 
word to really describe it, but it almost seems religious sometimes. Yeah, apparently, um, apparently, Roddenberry. I was looking at the Wikipedia for this, and suppose you're cutting out a ton. Yeah, I can hear. You're hey, can you hear cutting me? out a ton. He's still here. Yeah, you're kind of good. I'm good. No, I all I heard is, "Can you hit?" Can you hear me now? It's Hello. really robot. Hello. It's still cutting out. Yeah, it's cutting out for me too. Guys. Is going. Are <laughs> uh, you still there? Uh, uh, yeah, I can. Hal, open the Hello? pod bay doors, Hal. <laughs> okay, you're. Gonna go for it. Jesus. No, bad again. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Christ Almighty, man. I don't know. Try try it again, and if it doesn't work, we'll just end it here. Hey, I want to give a fuck you to Discord. Luke said we shouldn't use Discord instead. First of all, the jokes suck. Second of all, <laughs> shit doesn't even work that well. We'll uh, use Skype next time. We'll use Skype next time. Microsoft, please sponsor us. <laughs> um. Anyway, do you have any concluding statements? No. Did you did you want to say what you were going to say? What was I gonna say? I don't know. I was just talking about how like the show almost seems like religious. Yeah, I was. Lo- oh, sorry, I was looking at the Wikipedia, uh, and apparently, religion was a big influence on the thematic elements of this film, which I have a little bit of trouble seeing. But I suppose um, the V'ger's devotion to its mission could be interpreted as, as religious. Well, and he's looking for its create his creator and whatnot. And creator, and I suppose. Uh, supposedly, Ronberry had a, a negative view of religion, and it's shown in a few episodes of the original series. I don't know if you can attest to that. Yeah, I was just watching one that was basically like there's this planet that they go down to, and it's this group of tribal people, and their their deity is like this thing named Val or V A A. It's either V-A-A-L or V-A-A-D or VOD or VAL or something. And, like, basically, he this deity says, like, you guys can't touch and you can't be in love and yada, 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 which is clearly a jab at religions. Yeah. And then they see, like, the humans, like, being happy and whatever, and then they can't do that because some rock creature says they can't. And this is in the original series. Yeah. Ah, I see. Um, But, like, I don't know, if we compare it to, and everyone always compares it to, even though I don't think it's a fair comparison, if we compare it to, like, Star Wars, Star Wars just kind of has different races in in the movies, and that's pretty much it. But in Star Trek, like, they show you their rituals and their philosophies. In you know, the more I watch Star Trek, the more the comparison is like hilarious because like they're just not the same. They're not like at, they're at just all. They just send space and they have star in it, and that's it. The comparison <laughs> is is kind of hollow. Other than that, they both arose within the same 
10 year span and they're both really popular that's it yeah like they're not the same thematically aesthetically like any anything so like that's... star trek is like a a very hardcore okay is it is is something a hard sci-fi when it's just like very fictional or is a hard sci-fi when it was very like non-fiction like it's close to non-fiction to me hard sci-fi is it doesn't have anything to do with the, how realistic it is it's really just how much of the content of this fiction thematically and aesthetically is devoted to um high concept science fiction ideas so something like star wars it really is not like it has ships and sabers but that's not really important yeah you could you could like in theory you could just put star wars in like medieval times and just have the force be magic and nothing really changes mm -hmm. um, but star trek the science fiction elements are integral to the storylines and everything and because especially because they're a lot of star trek is just social commentary uh with the science fiction guys to me that's the distinction and that's why i see star trek as hard to me star trek is like core sci-fi mm -hmm. and, and and star wars is like i mean people say it's space fantasy is not sci-fi like i guess i agree it's just it's just space movie um and, and like the original like series like the sets are almost like psychedelic it's so weird like, yeah they'll just be in a room and then the room will be lit up in like a rainbow color mm -hmm. and I, I don't i don't know in like the television show you feel like in the original series yeah yeah no yeah i I haven't seen too much, but I do. I do. One of the things that appeals to me about the original series, or TOS, as the true Trekkers call it, is uh, is is the colorful palette. It looks nice. Yeah, and like the buttons, just like they're all just multicolored, and they light up all different colors and whatever. There's nothing wrong with admitting that you like a little bit of color in your life, guys. <laughs> I like a little bit of color. Nothing wrong with that. And that's, yeah. that's that's a there you have it. <laughs> Star Trek. That's Star Trek the motion picture. Uh we are today we really we really really skirted the boundaries of the cult label that we We had. didn't like at all. We Star really Trek did. So, Star Trek is such a cult phenomenon that they there was Ooh. a real based off of it and then they all killed themselves. Lucas will <laughs> Lucas will cope, um, but this multi-million-dollar budgeted film with a huge premiere and tons of special effects—can we call this a cult movie? Uh, jury's out. We can. <laughs> well, we you, well, you, well, you can. You can. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm on the Wikipedia page. I highlighted cult, and there's 14 different. Uh, okay, well, some of it's because it uses the word difficult, but you know, cult is still there. Okay, the show developed a cult following. This is not the show. Okay, huh? this is not the show. It doesn't matter. It's so related. It's so intertwined with it that it. Oh, it's that's so that's so convenient. <laughs> yeah, convenient. Like. Can we do? Could we do an episode? I, uh, this doesn't really 
But like, could we do an episode on Ash vs. Evil Dead? No. Okay, well now you're coping. I'm not. I'm not because just because it's part of a. Mm. Don't make me destroy oh, you. Why? Why? I... Pow! Right to the moon. The best part about that was that it cut out like five times. <laughs> Look, I think the internet is telling us it's time to go. Sorry, guys. You know what? Hopefully, these renovations uh, pass fairly quickly because uh, in studio is nice, and you don't get these kind of difficulties. So, you know, pray. Yeah, in-studio is nice. I'm basically not even going to bother trying to use clips or anything like that until we're back in the studio. Uh, hopefully that doesn't take too long. Or hopefully, I mean, hopefully, you know, at the studio opens, like, I don't even care. I'll go to the studio. I don't yeah. think it's open right now, though. No, it, it's not. It is it, the um, the manager at the studio, Chris Kirkland, has shut down doors right now so we can't we can't get in so there there you go there you go oh you cut up big time okay we're wrapping the shit up all right uh what are we doing next week house uh how to uh and then you can i sent you the list here it's in the chat so you can just pick pick a movie we'll do it very very well Although you should pick uh, Samurai Cop. Uh, that, that's going to be, I'm going to be honest with you guys, that's going to be a rough episode. <laughs> that's going to be fucking rough because, my God. It's a like, good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do, we, do we, wait, so next week will be, will be the 13th. Monday the 13th for house. And then on the 20th, what will we do? Oh, shit. Well, we, okay, we'll pick, you know the two options. What are the two options? The Big Lebowski or Reefer Madness. I, I, I didn't, I, you might not like this, but I kind of want to do Reefer Madness. Okay. Because I, I love Big Lebowski and, and I've seen it like four times. Uh, but Reefer Madness, that's uncharted territory. The Big Lebowski is kind of an in-studio episode. That's an in-studio episode. Reefer Madness, like, it'll probably be trash and, like, haha, laugh. So, Reefer Madness for, for next week. Are we going to be after. able to get together for that? We... TBD. <laughs> TBD. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for us, I think. <laughs> he just cut out. Okay, just end the fucking show. All right, see you later. All right, see you.